Good morning. Thank you to Penny and the worship team this morning for leading us today. And uh, welcome on this Family Day weekend. A special welcome to those of you who are joining us online this morning as well. It's great to, great to have you with us. Um, today is, uh, you know, when you come to the 11 o'clock service, you have the added benefit of a cardio workout. Not today, um, but normally after church at the 11 o'clock service, we ask uh, some of you to stick around and help us to stack the chairs in piles of five, and then we push them against the sidewalls because we have an active youth ministry here on Tuesdays and Thursday nights, and this gives them a wonderful space to, to have their activities in, and so we're happy to do this. But if you come to the 11 o'clock service, you get the extra bonus of a cardio workout, of an upper body workout as well. The 930 people don't get this use is just especially for you. Um, now, one of the interesting things is after the 11 o'clock service, you know, there'll be about 15 or 20 of you that will stick around, help us stack the chairs in piles of five and push them to the sidewalls. Um, and that's wonderful. It takes about 20 minutes when everybody kind of helps out. We get it done really quickly. Uh, but then on Friday, we have to unpack them all and set them up in this proper formation so that today you can come and have a seat. I mean, we could stand if you like, but uh, it's nice to be able to come on in and have a seat. We have... Uh, two volunteers that come in on Friday to drag the chairs into the worship center, unstack them, link them all together, and set them up in this formation. And they uh, have let me know that they're willing to be generous, that they have hogged this opportunity long enough, and they are willing to share it with any of you who would love on Friday mornings to get a little bit of a free workout uh, you will put on some free coffee for you. We can even put music blaring over the sound system so you can kind of have some workout music, so to speak, if you would like. So if this is something that interests you, please speak to us at the Welcome Center. We'll give you some information. We don't need you this Friday because we're not tearing down the chairs today. Uh, but in subsequent weeks, if this is something that you might like to do, we would love to hear from you. Now, last Sunday, the reason I bring that up, last Sunday when this, the chairs were being torn down, I was in here visiting with somebody, and a, a sight caught my eye that kind of stuck with me all week, and actually, especially as I was thinking about the passage that we're going to look at today. And it was a picture of a dad, and he had a stack of five chairs. You'll notice these aren't on wheels. You have to really give them a shove to get them moving. And if you're moving them from here to the far wall, it takes a little bit of an effort. And here was this dad. He was pushing these chairs, and two small children were helping, probably like three and four. Now, I recognize this is probably like a public safety violation of like enormous proportions. Um, and I'm not encouraging you to get small children to do this, but um, this sight caught my eye. There was the dad, and he was leaning into it and pushing with all of his might, and these two little kids, if you looked at their faces, they were doing all the work. The look on their face was, we're doing all the work here. And dad's kind of, we're tagging him along all the way. They, on their face, were, it was a face of exertion and power and energy. And they, in their minds, were kind of pushing the chairs over to the wall. Now, I want you to hold that image in your mind because we're going to come back to it um, in a little bit. We started a series a few weeks ago talking about spiritual habits thinking about the ways in which the life of Christ is formed in each and every one of us. How is it that God has access to us so that he can transform us from the inside 
out. And so we've encouraged you uh, to join us in this opportunity um, uh, to participate in a simple spiritual habit twice a day for the next number of weeks. Start one in the morning and one in the evening. And we've given you some resources to, to help you do that. And our hope is that as we are doing this, we will become more like Jesus. That as the Spirit of God is more active in our life, as we're paying attention to what God is saying to us, that over time, we will have the experience of being transformed. And if you've ever wondered, how is it that I grow in my faith? How is it that I become more like Jesus? It's through participating in these spiritual habits. Now, there's lots of them. We're only doing a few. Uh, Dallas Willard, who has written extensively on this topic, says you can kind of break spiritual habits down into two categories, disciplines of abstinence and have, or habits of abstinence and habits of engagement. Habits of abstinence is where you stop doing some things. You stop some activities so that you can create some space in your life so you can hear God's voice more clearly. And so maybe you stop talking, you get away from people, you stop eating, you stop having sex, you stop some activities in your life so that you can spend more of your time and attention focused on what God is doing in your life. And maybe that's what you need for a season. Uh, then there's the habits of engagement, which is to you recognize, I need something in my life. And so you engage in these spiritual practices where you can hear God's voice. And you, you take them on with the expectation that as I engage with the Lord through these practices, I'm going to hear from Him. If you've been using the app that we suggested to you, this Lectio 365 app, it's got the, um, the discipline of reflection and also prayer and also scripture. But there's many, many other ways that God can do this work in our life. And so how's it going? You're a week in. I've been hearing from some of you, and I've heard kind of three things. Uh, some of you would say, I really like it. This is great. It's kind of refreshing. It's different. I'm enjoying the discipline that it's forcing me into, and it's a lovely way to fall asleep every night. Uh, some of you have said, it's not my favorite, but I'm going to keep doing it. There's only three weeks. I can do this for three weeks. And some of you have said, after one week, it's not for me. And that's fine. I would ask you to find something else. We've recommended you can use the Daily Bread app as well. It's in multiple languages. If you're not a phone person, not a technology person, we invite you to use the Daily Bread. Maybe you would read a passage from the Gospels in the morning and a psalm at night, and maybe set some time aside for prayer. Some of you have emailed me and said, you know, I'm using this three weeks to pray specifically for a person in my life. The point isn't the app. The point isn't the resource. The point is you and I creating space twice a day to spend time in the Lord's presence and to have him transform us. And it would be our hope that over time, you would have the expectation that God is changing me, that this is a normal thing for the Christian life to include. It's not for super spiritual Christians. It's not for charismatic people. But each of us, as we are spending time with the Lord, he is in the middle of transforming us. And then through our life shines Christ more brightly. How many of you think that the church could use a little bit of a sharper focus on the person of Christ through our witness today? It's essential. And so as Christ begins to transform us, we just turn our lives over to him and say, God, each day, this is my life. I, I give it to you. I'm, I'm placing it in your hands. And my expectation is that, God, you're going to meet me in these moments. You're going to speak to me, and you're going to continue to transform me.
Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 4, My dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. For Paul, as he was writing to the church in, in, in Galatia, he felt it so deeply in his belly, almost like labor pains, he says, that he wants the church to experience the transformation that comes through Christ. And I know a woman loves nothing more than a man pretending to understand the pains of childbirth. So today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 11. This is what I would call a teacup verse, or it's contained in these verses that we're going to look at. A teacup verse is one of those verses you're most likely to get from a Christian friend of yours who, with a, a teacup of the Bible verse, or maybe a bookmark with a Bible verse on it, and you love it. It's encouraging. It's a wonderful verse. But you have no idea the context from which this verse comes. That's what we're going to look at today. And I would argue that when you discover the context, who it was written to, what they were going through, that the verse actually becomes even more Wonderful. And so we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 25. But let me give you a little bit of an idea of what's going on in this verse. When Jesus begins his ministry, uh, people are blown away at what he says and what he does. There's such an openness and welcome to what Jesus is doing. But it's as if the longer he goes on in his ministry, there gets to be resistance to him. People start to uh, kind of close off their hearts and their minds to him. And in some cases, he's even rejected. And just before the passage that we're going to be reading in Matthew's gospel, Jesus has gone to some communities and they rejected him. He showed up. He started teaching on the kingdom of God. And people said, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. No, we're not hearing that. We don't have time for that. And then they started physically trying to remove him from the community because of what he was saying. Can you imagine today if Jesus comes and we invite him to be the guest speaker and we tell him, you know, you've got 25 minutes. We really, we need to be done at noon. People, we don't have the time attention of good ancient Near Eastern people here. And we give him 25 minutes and four minutes in, some of you start to stand up and say, no, no, no. We're not hearing this. No, no, no. Hey, turn him off. Turn off the mic. We are not going to listen to his message. And then we physically chase him out of the building and off the property. This is what was happening. Jesus was speaking to religious people, and they rejected his message. It reminded me um, of a quote that I, I once read that went like this. And I, I remember when I read it, it kind of it's caught me off guard, and I kind of was uncomfortable with it for a second, but let me make you uncomfortable with it too. It said this, if you follow Jesus long enough, he will disappoint you. If you follow Jesus long enough, he will disappoint you, not because he has done anything wrong, but because each of us, whether we know it or not, we have expectations about what Jesus is going to give us, do for us, say to us, convict us of, and he is most bound to not do what we expected him to do. This was the experience of the religious people that are hearing the words that I'm going to read for us now. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 to 30. It goes like this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. 
Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's look at verses 25 to 27 for a second. These verses can be a little bit difficult to understand, but remember that Jesus is speaking to religious people who are familiar with the scriptures, they're familiar with worship, they know all the rules and the rules, and then all of the extra rules, they know all of it. And Jesus is speaking to them because they're not listening to him and they are not accepting what he is offering to them. And Jesus says that as familiar as these people are with everything that is religious, they're missing the point. That the very essence of faith is hidden from them. They're walking right by it and not even seeing it. One of the familiar and favorite hobbies um, in our household during the days of lockdown was to go hiking. And we live in such a wonderful part of the world to just drive 10 minutes. And there's all kinds of places to go hiking. Now, there's two kinds of hikers. Uh, Number one, there's people who see hiking as going from point A to point B as quickly and efficiently as possible, not stopping and not paying attention to anything and just getting it done and say, we went hiking. That's me. Um, Then part, the second kind of people that hike are people that enjoy themselves. They take note of the beauty and the wonder of creation all around them. They pause and just breathe in the air and take a look at all the wonders of of God's beauty all around them. They take pictures, they share them with other people, and they leave the time hiking refreshed and renewed. I'm not sure what type you are. When we would go hiking, um, I am clearly the first person. We're going from point A to point B as quickly and efficiently as possible, and let's get moving. Come on, let's get going. My oldest son, Nick, is kind of the second person, and I loved hiking with him because we would be a certain way down a trail, and I would stop and look back, and Nick would be gone. And I'd go, and I'd look, and he'd be in the trees, and we were walking somewhere, and he'd stop, and he'd notice something, and he would, he'd go into the trees, and he'd see a bird or a flower or some amazing pattern, and he'd take a picture of it and come on out and show it to us, and I'd be blown away. I'd say, I walked right by it. I didn't see that. Or we'd be walking. At one point, I remember, there was a large mud puddle, and so being the mature people that we are, we splashed right through it, uh, all the way through, churning up all the silt in the water. And my son stops and he kneels down and he brings out a handful of fish eggs that we had completely missed. But he saw it as he was going through the hike. There's a way to live the Christian life where we just try to go from point A to point B and keep the rules and be good and do good and do the app and do all the things that we're supposed to do and to miss the point. And there's an invitation of Jesus here to say, journey with me, but enjoy the journey. Enter in, walk along, take note, pay attention to the things that you might learn and discover along the way. That's why one of the features I love about the app that we've recommended is that there's times in there to pause. It'll say stop and pray or pause and pray. Pay attention to the moment you're in right now. What God might be saying to you Stop. 
Pay attention to the scripture you just read. What God might God be saying to you through the scripture as well? This is the invitation of Jesus in this season. Now, it's easy and quite frankly, way more fun to pick on the Pharisees and find fault with all of the ways that they behave. But it's important that we pay attention to what God might be doing in our hearts. I'll be really honest with you. One of my concerns about inviting everybody to, to, to these spiritual habits over three weeks, twice a day, is that it has the potential to do more harm than good. It has the potential to hurt your faith. And maybe you've discovered some moments this week where you recognized, I'm not sure this is the point of this exercise. Let me give you an example. Maybe you have done the devotional every day, morning and night. But there's some people in your house who have not. Mm. And so you get up in the morning and you're there and they are not doing it. You're doing it. And so you put it over Google Home. Your Alexa, play as loud as you can over the entire house so that everybody hears this, especially those who are not participating in the plan, in the plan here. And suddenly you realize, I'm supposed to be going into the Lord's presence for the Lord to speak to me and do at work in my heart, and now I'm spending this time angry with other people or feeling better than other people. Maybe that's not the goal of this exercise. Or maybe you did the devotions throughout the week. And then on Saturday, something really bad happened. And your first thought was, I did the devotion every day this week. How could you let something bad happen to me today? Again, in this space, we recognize the potential within the human heart to miss the point, for things to be hidden to us. So let me just say something really, really clearly today. If you have done the devotional challenge every day, God does not love you anymore. And if you didn't do it all week, you did it three times, or maybe once, or you forgot, or you have no intention of doing it. You're not doing it. God does not love you any less. That's not what this is about. This is about creating space in your day so the Lord can do the work that he wants to do in all of our hearts. He already loves us. And our behavior, our performance does not change that one bit. And so Jesus says to these religious people who are running him out of town, who are disappointed with what he's saying, who, that it's completely possible to live the life of faith and miss the point. Next he says, thank you, Lord, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Now, if I call you a child or you call me a child, that might feel like an insult. In Jesus, it's always a compliment. And his point is simply this. If you're searching for God, you will find him. This is not about an education. This is not about how knowledgeable you are. This is not about how churched or unchurched your background is. If you're looking for God, you will find him. That God makes himself available to everybody who is truly, truly seeking him. These are words are a powerful invitation today. If you're wondering about faith, if you're wondering what is God really like, and it's a reminder to all of us today as well that it's completely possible to read your Bible and pray every day and to miss what God really has for us in those moments. Next, Jesus says, my father has entrusted everything to me. I, I love those verses. Let me just read them again for us. 
He says this, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Now, what I love about that is if you've ever had somebody that you've been talking to about Christian faith, and they're trying to figure out what God is like, what Jesus is saying here is, it's what look to Jesus. He is the face of God for us. If you're trying to figure out what God is really like and whether I would follow him, look to the person of Jesus. Start reading the Gospels. Read Mark's Gospel or John's Gospel and go through day by day and pay special attention to how Jesus acts, how he speaks to people, how he treats people, especially people who are nothing like him. And that is what God is like and how it is that we will discover God. Martin Luther said it this way, stop speculating about the Godhead and climbing into heaven to see who or what or how God is. Hold on to this man, Jesus. He's the only God we've got. And our hope is that as you are spending this time with Jesus in these moments, even this week, pilgriming with Jesus, that you would get a clear sense of who God really is. All right, we're going to get to our teacup verses here. Those come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. But it's important to remember the context. Jesus is speaking to religious people who had rejected him. Religious people who did not like his message and had literally run him out of town. And I think if this verse is going to have weight for us, we have to admit, especially if you grew up in the church, that all of us can find ourselves resistant to Jesus at points carrying the burden of trying to stay right with God, trying to perform well enough or at least impress other people that were performing well enough, running on the religious treadmill, trying to burn off our sin from the previous day, laying in bed, trying to do the spiritual math. Okay, I didn't do this very well today, so tomorrow I really need to do this better or give some money or volunteer or do something. To the people who are exhausted and worn out, who have no peace, for whom following Jesus involves no peace. And we can all be there at times. Following Jesus for some feels like a burden. It feels too difficult, too challenging. You're serious about your faith, but you live often so discouraged. People who try really, really hard, they want to be good, but they just don't feel up to the task or spiritually inadequate. They're trying to push those chairs across the floor all on their own strength. And if that resonates at all with you today or in different chapters in your own journey of faith, Jesus' final words have two instructions to us. One, a word of refreshment, and the second, a word about equipment. Let me read them again. I'm going to read them from a different translation, and maybe uh, this will resonate with you too. Jesus says, Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Does following Jesus feel free and light to us today. Jesus offers two words, one of refreshment and one about equipment. First, refreshment. Come away with me. Spend some time with me. I want to spend some time with you, he says. In the morning, in the evening, at lunch, when you're walking, when you're driving to work, 
Come away with me. And hear my voice speak to your heart. You're going to hear all kinds of voices throughout the rest of the day. Most of them will tell you that you're not doing very good or that you don't measure up or you don't matter unless. Jesus says, come away with me and hear my voice in your life and let it shape your identity and who you are and how it is that you're supposed to live. On Thursday, there was a wonderful line in the devotional that came back to me later in the day. The line was this, there's always more grace in God than sin in me. There's always more grace in God than sin in me. That's a refreshing word. Our hearts can be full of all kinds of messages. Jesus invites us. Come away with me. Let me speak into your life. Let me be the one who shapes your life. Now, let me tell you a little secret. We have no intention of kind of saying in two weeks, this challenge is over. Stop reading your Bibles. Uh, Stop praying and you're done. You're good. We have no intention. We're just going to kind of pretend like we never started it. And our hope is ultimately, honestly, is that in these last, in the, in the time that we're doing this, you would say, I can't live without this. I need this. These are offering me moments of refreshment. I'm hearing the Lord speak to me. There's some verses that are staying with me that are really becoming meaningful for me where I'm at. And that you'll want this habit for yourself and that these times with Jesus will be so meaningful. So the second thing Jesus says is he offers us equipment, farming equipment. Now, I know this may sound strange. He offers us refreshment on one hand, and now he's offering us this idea of being yoked to him or farming equipment. We might say, look, I want a vacation, not a shovel. I want easy. I want you to make my life easier and better, not give me a yoke to carry. A yoke was a farming tool. Two animals that were needing to carry something very heavy. Uh, They were trying to pull something along. A farmer would put a yoke over the two animals and they would pull together in the same direction. That the two of them working together were stronger together and they would carry the load together in step with each other. And Jesus says to his disciples, would you be yoked to me? Meaning, the most restful gift that I can give to you is a new way to carry your life. The best gift I can give you as a person of faith is to be yoked with me and let me help you carry your life, your responsibilities, trying to carry out your faith. Faith is not supposed to be, I work really hard for five days, just about burn myself out, then I collapse on the sofa for two days and try to get enough strength back in so I can do it again today. No. Jesus says, walk with me. Be yoked to me. I'm offering you a different way to carry life than you've carried it before. And he says, I'm gentle and humble in heart. And in Jesus' day, rabbis were known to be really strict, harsh, at times even mean, constantly pointing out people's faults and criticizing them and demanding more for them. Jesus is setting himself up as the opposite. Jesus is patient as we learn. He has time for those who struggle. And the verse that came to my mind as I was reading the scripture was from the book of Isaiah where Jesus talks about the servant of the Lord that is to come saying, a bruised reed he will not break. Meaning if you feel like a bruised 
read today. Jesus says, come, follow me. Place my yoke upon your shoulders and and journey with me. Now, I want us to go back to this image again of this dad with a stack of five chairs leaning into it, pushing it from this side of the room to the sidewall with the two small children underneath. If the two little kids underneath stopped pushing it, what would have happened? If they got tired or weary, what would have been the result? If they were tempted just to plain give up, would the chairs have still made it to the other side? Because they were yoked to the dad who was pushing alongside with them. You and I, as we follow Jesus, this is the image Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. I'm leading with you. I'm walking with you. I'm pushing with you. I'm helping you carry the thing that you're carrying as well. You're not doing this alone. And this is how he invites us to be people of faith and to walk with him each day. If we would yoke ourselves to the way of Jesus, find our life in him and our power in him, working in us and through us, then we might even get to the point where we say, as Jesus said, my burden, his burden, it's light. That's what Jesus wants for you, and it's our prayer that as you're spending this time with him, it would be your experience. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for both of these invitations. First, that we might come away with you. That it's okay if we get a break. It's okay to take this time. It's so critical that we hear you speak into our lives, especially when we hear so many voices coming our direction throughout the day that we hear from you first, and your voice carries the most weight in our lives. And we thank you for this invitation uh, that we might be yoked with you, to walk in step with you, recognizing you're carrying the majority of the weight, that we do not walk alone. This is not all on us, not all about us. And Lord, we pray that even as we walk with you, we might discover that your burden is easy and light, and then it gives freedom to us as people of faith, and we pray this in your name.